stimulus. And one of the things Kashida is talking about more and more about is, is targeting fiscal stimulus through the middle of the income curve, which is fine, but that's something Japan's been doing for 20 to 30 years now, depending on your, you know, your viewpoint. And, you know, Japan has been dealing with this kind of 30-year funk in terms of wage increases. Uh, you know, wages relative to inflation have been largely static for three decades now. And Kishida is talking about focusing on the middle class, and that's great, and that's what he should be doing. But there's nothing in the policy mix that suggests that the LDP will be doing something different than they've been doing for the last 10, 20, 30 years. Again, I hope I'm wrong, and, you know, it's early days. I mean, certainly Kishida could come out with something that will really impress development economists. But so far, we haven't heard much. Okay, well, we'll track this closely and with interest. Thanks very much, Will. That's William Pesek, Tokyo-based author and journalist. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. And in Tokyo, the Nikkei 225 is up two-thirds of a percent right now. In South Korea, the Cosby is up 0.7%. The SX200 in Australia rising half a percent. And futures markets pointing to a gain of about 0.6% for the Hang Seng here in Hong Kong at the Open. Thank you very much for listening uh, this morning to Money Talk. I'll be back tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Stay tuned for Back Chats with Jim Gould and Ada Wong in just a moment. The weather forecast for today, fine and dry. Maximum temperature around 29 degrees and then sunny intervals tomorrow. Showers on Thursday with temperatures falling significantly later. But right now it's 24 degrees, 79% relative humidity. It's 8.31 and a half. With the news, here's Barry O'Rourke. The chief executive, Carrie Lam, is in hospital this morning after a fall at her official residence last night. Stephen Dunthorne has the details. In a statement issued soon after midnight, the administration said Mrs Lam had been taken to hospital yesterday evening following a fall at Government House. The statement said the chief executive had suffered a fracture to her right elbow. The fracture is described as being minor, but doctors wanted to keep Mrs Lam in for observation for the time being. It's not clear for how long the chief executive will be out of action, but she is taking a period of leave. For now, her duties are in the hands of the chief secretary, John Lee. Today's meeting of the executive council has been called off, as has the media briefing that usually takes place before it. President Biden has led tributes to Colin Powell, America's first black Secretary of State, who's died of COVID complications. He was 84. Mr Biden described him as a warrior and a diplomat who repeatedly broke racial barriers. Andrew Card was President George W. Bush's chief of staff. He said that he hoped the memory of Colin Powell would inspire a return to a less divisive political culture. I'm hoping Colin Powell's memory will bring us back to when noble public servants were respected and when tribalism was uh, not something that was encouraged. Colin Powell was a remarkable leader, and he also understood the responsibility of leaders, and he also understood the responsibility of people to follow the command of the commander-in-chief. Donald Trump has filed a lawsuit against the U.S. House Select Committee investigating the attack on Congress on January the 6th in an effort to keep records from his presidency secret. The former president called the committee's request for White House records illegal, unfounded and overbroad. He claims the material is covered by executive privilege, which protects the confidentiality of some White House records. 
In sport, organisers of Sunday's standard chartered Hong Kong Marathon hope a successful running of the event for the first time in two and a half years will encourage more people to sign up for next year's race. All participants must be fully vaccinated and return a negative COVID test. One of the organisers, Dennis Ung, from the Hong Kong Association of Athletics Affiliates, says they're hoping success will reassure potential participants. We know that some of the people still reluctant to participate because this is the very first time of a, a very large-scale event to be happening in Hong Kong. Various kinds of anti-pandemic requirements which are not being uh, implemented before the pandemic. We expect many people, many runners, would like to see what happens in the events in coming Sunday. This will let them know, let them decide whether they would participate in the 2022 event. There'll be more news on the hour from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jim Gould and your co-host today is Ada Wong. Good morning, Ada. Good morning, Jim. On this morning's programme for our main topic, we're talking about uh, digital health codes and conditions for opening the border with the mainland. The Innovation and Technology Secretary, Alfred Sitt, says a number of proposals have been submitted to mainland authorities on how a Hong Kong health code could work in the hope that uh, quarantine travel to the mainland can resume. He said that options include allowing people to declare voluntarily where they'd been every day and report to whether they'd visited any high-risk locations. He also said it would be technically possible for users to transfer records of their whereabouts from the Leave Home Safe app to the health code, but stressed that this would only be done if people agreed to it. However, National People's Congress Standing Committee member Tamu Chung said a voluntary system would be unacceptable to mainland authorities. Mr Tam was himself asked by the central government not to travel to Beijing for a meeting this week following the infection of an airport freight worker from an unknown source. After 9.15, we'll be taking a look at the possible redevelopment scheme in Sai Wan Ho. Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233-88266. And we're joined now on the line uh, by, uh, for our main topic by Wong Kam Fai, a director of the Centre for Innovation and Technology at the Chinese University and a professor at the Department of Systems Engineering and Engineering Management. And also on the line we have uh, Professor Roberto Bruzzoni, uh, co-director of the Hong Kong U Pasteur Research Poll, uh, visiting professor at the School of Public Health at the University of Hong Kong. And we're hoping to be joined, oh, we are joined uh, now by uh, Michael Teen, Deputy to the National People's Congress and, and Roundtable Lawmaker. Uh, good morning, everyone. Perhaps uh, if we could start with you, uh, Wong Kam Fai. So, um, good morning. So uh, w what challenges would present themselves in uh, Hong Kong uh, aligning its own uh, technology with uh, that of the mainland in terms of uh, contract? Uh, tracing. Well, it's actually the tracing part. Mm. <laughs> I think uh, the Hong Kong citizens are a little bit reluctant about the tracing part. Mm. Uh, well, what the suggestion is, uh, it's like uh, when you go on, when, 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 you, when you're traveling, when you're on the plane, before you leave the plane, you just fill out a form, and uh, a health form, which is similar to that if you were to use uh, the current system. So the, 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 leave, uh, uh, the leave Hong Kong safe actually contains info, uh, information 
uh, I would say, uh, just information. And then what you want to do is just to pass this information to the uh, to the mainland authority, and that's it. Mm-hmm. But uh, compared to the way that the uh, the mainland authority works, it's very different because they trace you. You know, once you uh, input your information, input your input your record, uh, they will then uh, if 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 you have been to somewhere uh, unsafe, then you will be notified. Actually, the color code will be changed. So uh, it's very different. You know, so we only supply our information once at the beginning, and then uh, the fact that we they, they cannot trace uh, our people that makes them worried. Because we don't actually have a, a contact tracing app, do we? I mean, the Leave Home Safe is the best described as a risk exposure app. It's, uh, you know, it's down to the uh, individual uh, voluntarily to use it, and you get a warning if you've been somewhere where somebody else has been who's also, you know, uh, uh, you know a, a risk case. Um, so, uh, I mean, do you think there might come a time when, you know, where we are expected to develop uh, something more like they do have in the mainland? a little bit more about uh, you know the mainland uh, health codes uh, you know when when would it uh, turn from red to green for example and well well it has it has a uh, green yellow and red so uh, uh, it actually tracked for 14 days so uh, you, you, you 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 actually uh, uh, take your uh, inspection or your vaccination and then the, your record will be uh, uh, Will be on the code, or actually on the cloud, on the code, and then, and then, uh, then, and then the government will be able to uh, to track you. So, if during that 14 days, the past 14 days, you have been uh, somewhere risky, then your code would change. Then, uh, then, for example, like if you are in Guangdong area, you have this Guangdong Health Code, and then uh, if somewhere in Guangdong for the past 14 days you have actually been to somewhere risky, and then you want to cross the border. To, for example, to, to Beijing, for example, okay, then you would not be allowed to go in because your code would automatically turn yellow or, or, or red, depending on where you have been. Uh, Michael Teen, good morning to you. Good morning. So, uh, Tam Yu Chung said the uh, mainland wouldn't accept a voluntary system. Um, what do you think would be required uh, to, you know, to meet uh, the mainland conditions for you know, people from Hong Kong to go up there?
trackable the home safe app. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you get, if you ask them to use any other health code app, it's actually meaningless because Hong Kong service establishment would not make it mandatory for them to do it. So they cannot differentiate whether somebody has a different uh, health code because they want to go to the mainland. All right. So there has to be the thing that is most widely used in Hong Kong today which is the uh, leave home safe. So the uh, whole idea is to have a personalized leave home safe that's trackable. So when you cross a border, you make a pledge, you do a de- declaration that this is uh, the phone that I've been using, uh, and this is the app that I've been using. Uh, and my way about in the last 14 to 21 days, it's all in this handphone and this app. You know exactly where I've been. Now, this part, obviously, if you want to travel to the mainland, they will want you to install this particular app. And since it's totally voluntary, I don't see why anybody else in Hong Kong would object to it because it doesn't affect their privacy and their lifestyle. Now, for those entering China, if they say, well, I don't want to tell you where I've been, 14 to 21 days prior, then China would say, well, thank you very much. Why don't you just stay in Hong Kong? So I don't think it's a problem. Mm-hmm. The only problem uh, where it cannot be guaranteed is that this person, whether indeed was making a fraud declaration, the Hong Kong government cannot guarantee that because the leave home safe used by this person uh, can be anybody's phone. All right, the Hong Kong service establishment is not going to check every person, get their ID out, check it against the app, right? That we cannot do, and I totally agree. But what uh, would be the reason for someone to hide this uh, and making a false declaration? If you make a false declaration to the mainland, you're asking for lifetime trouble. You could be banned for life going in there. Who would want to do that, right? And then plus, what's the big deal if you let people know where you have been? Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, you can say, well, what good does it do with the mainland authority if, I, if they know uh, you, are a, um, you are a virus carrier, where you've been in the last 14, 21 days, unless they also know all the other Hong Kong people who's been in those places during that period of time. Of course, that would be the ultimate. That would be what the mainland authorities would really want. But then that, I think they are convinced, will never happen in Hong Kong. Mm. Because for those who do not plan to travel to the mainland, they're not going to uh, uh, volunteer uh, to install a trackable uh, 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 home safe app simply for the benefit of others. Okay. So, so Michael, the current uh, Leave Home Safe app we have uh, is not a tracing app. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so only a, ri- it a yeah, risk exposure app. Uh, we, you know, the, uh, so the government here will have to first make it um, a tracing app. And, and the tracing app is 24 hours, right? So, you know, when you leave home and where you live... Uh, etc. Yes. Which restaurant did you go to? Yes, exactly. Or, you know, you have been to friends and you don't actually want people to know that you have been to that friend. Yes. And so, you know... That's all... easy to make. That's easy? Yeah, technologically, it's very easy. I think it's already uh, developed and done. 
Uh, but so this, this is all personal year. information, and when you cross the border, you just uh, pass information over to the other side. And and so the information is stored uh, in the cloud, and um, and so the mainland authorities would would be able to have a look, and will give you a green light or a red light. Yes. Yeah, but that's, that's what I said. Uh, technically, it's doable. It's all about policy. This is technology policy. I mean, information exposure, information privacy. So the the agreement between the two. The two, two governments, the two sides. Yeah. So, so basically, important. I see no problem at all in this issue, and I'm not quite sure exactly what uh, Yu Chong was referring to, uh, unless the Chinese government, uh, the mainland, wants Hong Kong government to guarantee that this person's app uh, is uh, fully genuine, uh, and they have ways of making sure that when this person used. Uh, uh, this particular lethal map, that his ID is checked to make sure it's the same person. That obviously cannot be done because a, a restaurant in Hong Kong cannot differentiate between a real lethal map and a normal one. And they, even if they can, they're not going to bother uh, doing the sort of civic duty and checking ID and all that. So there could be a loophole saying, well, what if people are using other apps, uh, lethal safe apps, and hide their whereabouts uh, the 14 days prior. Then you have to question, uh, these people obviously want to uh, re-enter the mainland in the future. Why would they risk making a false declaration? I don't see any uh, uh, motivation at all. Okay. okay, we also have with us Professor Roberto Bruzzoni, a visiting professor at uh, University of Hong Kong. Um, good morning. Good morning. Uh, so uh, are these practical suggestions about aligning Hong Kong and, uh, and mainland systems? Well, it is practical for those, uh, as it has been said by the other guests, uh, are willing to do so. Uh, for example, in our laboratory, we have many students from mainland. Some of them are actually have families in Shenzhen, in Guangzhou, just across the border. And some have even children, uh, and they're here to study. And I'm sure that they would be willing to have an app that would allow them to go there for the weekend, or to uh, spend time with the family sometimes without having to quarantine going there. Uh, perhaps not all of them, but I'm sure many of them would be willing to do so. So uh, as it was said, if you have a reason to go there and you want to avoid quarantine and you want to go back again for number of, uh, you know, for your business, for your family relationships, etc., then I'm sure that some individuals will be willing to have this traceable application. It's voluntary, so I don't see a problem for those who want to have that. Um, Professor Bersoni, I think you know to have the app, you know, is techn uh, technologically not uh, difficult. Yeah. But uh, on the other hand, you know, it um, it rises from the policy that um, uh, that you know the whole country uh, will have to have zero cases. Uh, while um, the other parts of the world um, are trying to live with the virus. So, in, in fact, you know, it's not only applicable to Hong Kong people, but perhaps, uh, you know, what about foreign nationals who go into China? If they don't have the app, if they can't show where they have been in the last 14 well, days, then it's uh, at least 14 days quarantine, just like now. That's, that will be just like now. And 
perhaps that is not going to change. I don't see how uh, that many people would be willing to do that and certainly to have it in, in other countries. But, you know, Hong Kong is one country, although there are two systems, so it's a very different, special situation. Uh, it has been clearly stated by many uh, prominent uh, members of the Hong Kong SAR government that the priority is to open the border. So I think that if you have an objective, and a, a strategic objective, then this should be pursued. Uh, otherwise, you know, it's, uh, it becomes uh, a sort of, uh, I wouldn't say it's, it's a game. It becomes a game, okay? So I, I think that uh, uh, if some people, some individuals are willing to have this application, so be it. And if the majority don't want, then so be it too. But uh, of course, if, if having the application does not guarantee you the possibility of traveling to see your relatives, your family, without quarantining, then there is no point in discussing this. There should be a clear policy of what would be required for citizens living in Hong Kong and being eligible, being allowed to uh, travel to China, uh, what they should uh, need to do and what uh, conditions need to be fulfilled. Otherwise, it will be, you know, a goalpost shifting all the time and everybody will be upset. Mm. Um, Michael Tina, apart from health codes and contact tracing, well, what do you think are the other requirements uh, of the mainland for opening up the border? I mean, you, you, you said that you think the authorities there are not uh, really comfortable with the way Hong Kong runs the, our quarantine hotels. Is that right? <laughs> yes, I've been very verbal on that. <laughs> that is indeed the number one dissatisfaction is the way we run the quarantine hotels without armed guards at the uh, front door, very lax security, and even in the past, uh, parts of quarantine, some quarantine hotel, uh, having uh, obtained uh, exemption from government to open to the public simply because they can prove that they're uh, partitioning and uh, whatever else uh, meets safety requirements. Uh, these are things that uh, up north they really frown uh, with this taste because as far as they're concerned, quarantine hotel it should be completely isolated. And another area where they've been very dissatisfaction is our exemption. Uh, obviously, cases like Nicole Kidman is very rare and won't happen again, but one case would be too many. They would they would then know that in Hong Kong, the health minister does not control all the exemptions, or nor does she even know who are exempted, <clears throat> because all these other departments hand in their list. Uh, so that list is actually quite huge. Uh, it involves uh, the more than 100 consulates, and it has never been clear within each consulate actually how many people or to what level will be accepted from um, hotel quarantine when they come back from high-risk countries like, you know, U.S., the U.K., or whatnot. And these are main concerns. And as you know, recently there have been cases of two with the consulate uh, and their family coming back, uh, having uh, tested positive. Okay? <clears throat> and if they open the border, they feel that it would be a direct uh, uh, pathway leading on to the mainland. 
Mm-hmm. And then obviously recently there was a case of a rugby team being uh, allowed to leave the quarantine hotel during the 14 days to go out and practice. Uh, government says that everything is 100% uh, tight. The transportation, the sports ground, whatever. Uh, but the point is still you're letting people out during the quarantine period and they're practicing without wearing masks and all that. Uh, so these are the kind of things that they never, ever allow in the mainland, and it's happening in Hong Kong. So mm-hmm. this kind of behavior is making them worry a lot. Why, why, why do you say we won't, see, we won't see another case like Nicole Kidman? Because it, it caused so much oh, no, controversy no, no. at well, the time. Well, the financial sector also has a lot of exemptions. That, I'm, that I'm sure won't happen again. Okay, but I think a much, much more touchy issue is when it comes to uh, consular offices. These are, you're dealing with foreign uh, relations. I understand that government negotiated with the consulates, trying to get them to live in a quarantine hotel, and they oppose uh, vehemently. Uh, they wanted to be extended to their families, and they are willing to be quarantined at home, but they refuse to put on their wristband. Uh, so, you know, basically the home quarantine, uh, they arrange their own transportation. Some of them do not live in private homes, so they live in, you know, you know, uh, uh, heavily populated estates, uh, sharing the same elevator with others uh, on their way in. Uh, and there's a recent case uh, where one of the consulate, it's not even the chief consul, was tested, and then the whole building and the whole block has to be tested. Just consider the, uh, the, the risk and the, uh, uh, you know, inconvenience caused to the local, uh, you know, the, the public with this exemption. But Michael, government yeah. has shown no sign of tightening this exemption. Uh, so that is an area that I've heard uh, will be a source of uh, uh, concern. Right, so what is stopping the Hong Kong government to push uh, this new Leave Home Safe app? That is a contact tracing app. Surely if it is voluntary, if it's voluntary, then it yeah. is, um, you know, not a difficult move yeah. and it doesn't well, require electrical approval, the right? The reason why mainland wanted that is, for example, I applied to them uh, to want to uh, get uh, enter without quarantine. They would say, okay, show me your app. I showed them a map and they know exactly where I've been. Now, if I, uh, unfortunately, uh, second day after I enter, um, I'm tested positive, they can go back and look at my app and see where I've been the past 14 days. And if there are other Hong Kongers who also happen to apply to enter the mainland without quarantine, and there is another person who happens to be at the same place, the same hour period as I was, then that person will be red flagged and probably they will require him to go through 14-day hotel quarantine or deny him. That's the way they want to use that. Okay, okay. I think uh, Wong Kam Fai, you want to come in? Oh, I just said that uh, technically, although it is uh, uh, doable, but uh, I think time is also very important. One possibility is that uh, if uh, we were there to actually adopt uh, the actual, the mainland system, the, for example, the uh, uh, the Canton Health Court system, I think that would be the fastest way. So again, it's a voluntary basis. So uh, you just have the system, the APP, work uh, in Hong Kong, 
and then with a voluntary basis. So then it were, but but that actually it's a bit sensitive politically because it would be allowing uh, some kind of health department from the mainland to do some tracking uh, in Hong Kong. But if it were voluntary, uh, I think it would, it would be acceptable. And in terms of time, it saves a lot of time for the implementation part. Converting uh, from the leave home safe to make it compatible uh, with the Canton uh, health code system, it may take time. It is doable, but it takes time. Okay, okay. And, uh, and Professor Brutzoni, because I know you, you can only stay with us till nine o'clock. Uh, uh, what about um, what we were talking about just now about uh, about quarantine hotels? We're going to have to tighten up, do you think? Well, I, I hope not. Uh, I don't know whether uh, this is, again, I mean, if these are requirements, that will be up to the uh, government and policymakers to do so. I mean, I'm not sure whether there is any breaches from the quarantine hotel. I can't imagine anybody trying to sneak out of the hotel because there are CCTV cameras. Sure, this has happened, I think, once at least was reported, if I remember well, in the newspapers, and this person was found somewhere, you know, in his apartment or in, in, in relative's apartment a couple of days later. But these are, you know, minimal uh, situations. You have also to uh, take into consideration that I believe 95, 98% of people who are quarantined in hotel, if they test at all positive, they test positive only within the first 10 days of the quarantine. So, I mean, all these things need to be taken into consideration. And then if there is one or two who get, you know, outside, their contact tracing can even function the way we have always done it without applications. You know that contact tracing in Hong Kong is, you know, very well um, uh, uh, taken care of. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, think, I think that, you know, I hope that uh, we don't need to militarize uh, quarantine hotel. That would be really very sad okay, to see. Okay. okay, thanks. We've got to take a break for the news at nine o'clock. We'll be back at three minutes past. Um, uh, do get in touch. Uh, email us at backchat at rthk.hk. Uh, leave a message on our Facebook page, backchat on rthk radio 3. Uh, quick look at the weather. Um, fine and dry. Top temperature around 29 degrees. Uh, the outlook, uh, there will be showers on Thursday with temperatures falling significantly. It's currently 25 degrees, humidity 76%. conditions. North Korea in recent weeks has tested a long-range cruise missile which it said was a hypersonic warhead. You're listening to the news on RTHK. And welcome back to Backchat with Ada Wong and me, Jim Gould. And uh, this morning... uh, in our main topic, uh, we're talking about uh, digital health codes and conditions for opening up the border with the mainland. Um, before nine o'clock, we heard from uh, Michael Teen, a deputy to the National People's Congress and roundtable lawmaker, and also Professor Roberto Bruzzoni, uh, co-director of the Hong Kong New Pasteur Research Poll and visiting professor at the School of Public Health at uh, Hong Kong U. We still uh, have with us Wong Kam Fai, uh, director of the Centre for Innovation and Technology at the Chinese University. Um, Before we uh, resume our conversation uh, with with, uh, Professor Wong, we are going to uh, read a few emails because we've had a message from a a caller, a caller, Mei Ling, who didn't stay on the phone, but our producer uh, took down her message. She said, um, the, the Leave Home Safe app 
is uh, wildly abused. Uh, I was shocked when I went to a hospital yesterday. The staff there not only did not ask me to scan the app, but uh, automatically passed me a paper to fill in, and that didn't require a contact number. Uh, there was a temperature monitor, but a pre-recorded uh, temperature was listed on the paper, and people just uh, drew from uh, the, those uh, uh, papers to, uh, to fill in. Um, Jeffrey says, what about people who do not use smartphones? I'm a businessman and I absolutely refuse smartphones. Uh, Paul writes, uh, a system which allows people to voluntarily declare where they've been every day can easily be turned into a system where it is mandatory to declare where they've been every day. Perhaps uh, some sort of system which dictates uh, whether we can buy or sell should be implemented now, or has biblical illiteracy not yet reached a level which allows that to happen yet. Uh, David says, much as technology is very good, I don't want to take my telephone and all my information to China and I don't want other people looking at my telephone. So without a telephone, I'm in difficulty. And I don't want people from China coming to Hong Kong, going to a restaurant, and then my alert tells me I've suddenly got to pay to get a swab test. I want the government to open up Hong Kong to Hong Kong people. Uh, where we don't have to wear face masks for a month before opening the border. Um, Nick writes, uh, can you please comment on the obvious issue that Michael Teen brought up? Unless everyone in Hong Kong is using the app, then the mainland will not accept it as it is pointless. Uh, this is so obvious, and even he said it will never happen. So what's the point of this discussion? Can you just ask this question directly of your guests? Uh, this is by far the most important question. Um, Professor Wong, um, that point that Nick says, so um, really, would, uh, would everybody in Hong Kong be expected to use a tracing app, do you think, in order for it to be uh, acceptable in the mainland? I think it would be hard to push, but at, at least at this moment in time, uh, the government is actually promoting voluntary adoption. Yeah. So uh, for those, there are there are a large population in Hong Kong uh, who really want to go back or travel uh, to to the mainland uh, to and fro even every day. So uh, uh, the, the 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 health code system really really helps. I mean, you really have to think about uh, the, the, the living culture, the living behavior now of the Hong Kong people. A lot of people really travel to the mainland. So currently we are all blocked, be it uh, commercial re business reasons, uh, be it family reunion reasons. There are good reasons for doing that. So now the, the government only said that, well, if you don't want to do it, you don't do it. I mean, if you really desperately want to travel to, uh, to the mainland, then this is a solution for you. So, uh, you, know, you know, it's your choice. So uh, I think it's a right statement. Um, as we said in the first half of the program, um, this is politically sensitive. It's not a, 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 tech, a tech issue. Um, so so the, the key question is, uh, let's say if I'm going back to the mainland and I'm um, quite happy to share my information with the mainland authorities, uh, you know, but with the app, with other people's uh, sensitive information on the cloud as well, you know, would I actually, um, uh, you know, affect uh, other people's data so that, um, you know, the mainland authorities can see, um, can see other people's data as well? Yeah, well, uh, that, that is 
thought about cloud computing all the way, all the time. It's not about the, the mainland authority. People uh, t- just distrust, uh, do not trust the cloud system because of this security issue. But in fact, when you think about it, uh, the most vulnerable for security, for personal data security, is the phone itself. I mean, insofar as you, you, you turn on your phone, you are, you are, you are, you are actually uh, exposed to high risk because uh, the, 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 the operators, they can actually access the data anytime. Why were you not worried? Because you, you do your kind of trade-off between your convenience and your security. And you think that I can accept uh, to lose my security in exchange of my convenience of using the phone of communications. So, therefore, this security issues about the cloud is, is, is always there. So if the, the convenience that I offer you is much higher or the value that I offer you is much higher than, than this, sort of, uh, you know, this sort of risk, anybody, anybody would accept it. So then back to our problem, if my value of uh, entering mainland because I travel a lot is much higher than the security part, as a person, I would accept it. But but you can't ring fence just individual information. So I'm you know I'm a I'm responsible not so sure person. I'm, I'm not, not so sure about that point because because everything that go on the cloud, uh, there will be uh, uh, depending on the operators, of course. Then uh, you, you, there will be security proof. I mean, you encode your data before it is mounting on the thing. Uh, or at least uh, in Hong Kong, we have a system that uh, protect that we have data protection uh, policies. And when you put up the cloud, if the data doesn't belong to you, you are not supposed to use it. Okay. Theoretically. Mm. Okay. Okay. Um, I have another email here from listener JR says uh, could the panel put some light onto uh, what the requirements or conditions uh, that would need to be in place for the uh, Hong Kong border to be open to non-quarantine travel from the rest of the world. We hear a lot about the border to the rest of China but nothing mentioned about what planning is in place for example Europe, Asia, North America etc. That's from JR. Well I mean um, uh, Professor Wong, we know that uh, the priority, and and this has been stressed uh, many times by the government, is on getting the border with the mainland uh, reopened. But what about um, when the time comes, uh, what should we be looking at uh, in technical terms for allowing quarantine-free travel with uh, other places in the world? For for the rest of the world, where the where they prepared to live with the virus, uh, I think uh, it's just like normal traveling, like filling up your, your health declaration before you go in, as simple as that. Right, right, right. So it, it, you don't think it, it would require any, any the use of any exactly. special tracing apps or anything like that? or. But But, at the moment, you know, any foreign nationals uh, arriving in China will have to go through the two-week quarantine. Oh, yes, yes. And there's no exemption yet. Yes, yes, yes. yes. But but I don't think that, you know, any country can can ask foreign nationals to to have a uh, compulsory download of uh, whatever Leave Home Safe app to show their whereabouts in the last 14 days, right? 
So yeah, the house code. The moment, yeah. So the house code does not apply to all these foreign nationals. Uh, what oh, about the no. point, uh, um, Professor Wong, um, yes. uh, that that was mentioned by one of the listeners that the Leave Home Safe app is not actually properly used these days. Uh, perhaps people are more complacent because we don't really have any recent uh, community cases. Um, and a lot of people still use paper to fill in. Uh, what, 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 what do you make of that observation? Oh, uh, obviously I'm a techie, so I don't really see the reason why that it's not it's not it's not used. Uh, but but I I, I, really, uh, I think it's a matter of trust, and uh, I think uh, again it's similar to the points that you just raised. Uh, I think some some many citizens or some citizens. Uh, do not actually trust uh, the system or even the government. Therefore, they are reluctant to actually use the, the, the APP. Uh, but uh, as the government explained, or even myself has explained, from a technical point of view, uh, this uh, app, this APP, or this electronic service is pretty safe because this, this actually is a, is a one-way traffic. You are, you are not exposing any data on the cloud at all. Uh, but I think a lot of people... Uh, do not believe in that and, and, and insist that, that if I use this APP, then all my information will be tracked or my personal information will be tracked and they, uh, uh, and that, and therefore they use, uh, paper form, uh, which is not very convenient when you, when you think about it. If, if something happened, then, uh, some minor process will have to be started to, 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 to look at all these papers before they can actually locate that person. So, uh, 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 then you will expose the risk because the longer that this person is actually on the road, uh, the, the, the higher the risk the society is. So uh, the APP uh, it will give you kind of immediate contact, immediate tracing, and this is a much better way. Okay, well, here's, here's a bit of a, a techie statement uh, from a listener, Peter. It says, uh, given that your network provider, Google, Apple, many of your apps and the NSA already have uh, access to your location data and can track your whereabouts, this is a rather superficial discussion. Anyone wishing to travel to the mainland should simply follow the mainland contact tracing protocol and download the relevant WeChat app. If you worry about your privacy, don't use a smartphone. However, the mainland authorities may also be concerned about the ability of the local Hong Kong authorities to track all contacts of infected people if the city continues to use a separate, no mandatory system or protocol from the mainland. Uh, how about that? Uh, uh, um, you know, uh, so our, our, where, our whereabouts uh, can, can easily be tracked anyway? That's what I said. Mm. Uh, uh, WeChat is an example, Google is an example, even your phone. As, you know, as, as, as long as you switch on your phone, you can be traced. So, so therefore, there was not this, really the worry about this particular APP uh, um, is not substantiated at all. I mean, if you think about the, uh, if, you better, if you think about your mobile phone, as I said, you know, any person uh, will actually uh, try to weigh your value that you gain against the risk that you take. So in, this, in, in many cases, for example, like cashless payment, for example, because it's so convenient for me to buy things on the internet. Okay, I'm not worried about WeChat. I'm not worried about Google because I gain the convenience. They never complain about that, do they? So, um, uh, 
Yes, uh, Professor Wong. Uh, I think if the Leave Home Safe app is really just for public health issues, uh, then I think um, you know the trust is there, uh, uh, you know, on the part of many many citizens. But on the other hand, we also hear news that, uh, for example, in Singapore, they have a similar Leave Home Safe app, and that app has been used uh, by the police. Uh, they they sort of trace the data in there, uh, you know, when they're tracking down people. So, um, what, what, what do you make of I that? Think, because the data think, is there think, and it can think, be shared, right? Well, th- th- this is another issue about, uh, another issue about uh, the trust between the citizen and the government. I mean, there are ordinance, data protection ordinance, clearly stated in our government that, you know, uh, data are only used purposely. Okay? When, you, when, you, when, you, when you use this APP, and the data that they collected would be used for that only purpose. But many citizens choose not to believe in that, despite the fact that we do have an ordinance or regulation uh, to govern that. But if you choose not to believe in that, I, I can't say anything. It's there. I mean, the, the, the ordinance is there. The, 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 it's there. I mean, if, if, this, if, if you use Singapore government as an example, it's their choice. It's their government. But as far as our government is concerned, I mean, you can look up on the internet. You can read from, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, government documents that the, the, the data privacy ordinance clearly stated that. So uh, it, it will not be, you know, cost utilized. Okay. Um, we have uh, another email here from uh, listener uh, Kim. It says, uh, "OMG, are we really talking about tightening quarantine restrictions? We have no COVID, so we have no data. We should really." Uh, on uh, data from countries that know what they're talking about. Uh, We had one case on day 19. I think this could have been uh, before vaccination. And uh, and now we lock up people for 21 days. Then uh, now we have the F45 incident. Uh, Please get vaccinated and trust the science. There is a very, very small percentage of vaccinated people that get seriously ill. Uh, the way we are going, I'm never going to leave Hong Kong, or if I do, uh, will I return? Uh, okay, okay. That, uh, that, that, that from yeah. Kim. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So... Um, but, but I think, I think again, it's, it's, it's trust. I mean, even the vaccination part, I mean, a lot of people just, uh, you know, although we have a lot of statistics, a lot of health data, Justifying uh, the, 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 the jab, the vaccination, mm-hmm. but uh, a lot of people still choose not to believe in that. Uh, again, again, but uh, well, this is Hong Kong. I mean, a lot of Hong Kong people thinks that uh, what kind, of, what what value do I get out of you know out of this this vaccination thing? It seems that Hong Kong is very safe. Even if I not take it, I'm still safe. I mean, if I take it, I may have a risk. Mm-hmm. So they said that well, since I don't get any value of it, then no, I don't. So no, I, I think this mindset is changing, Professor Wong, because we yeah, see yeah, we see that um, the majority of people, you know, who can be vaccinated have been vaccinated. That's good. But That's then, good. you know, um, we were promised of uh, opening up the borders after, you know, vaccination. We were promised that schools could return to full days, but that's not happening yet. So they are now new goalposts. So, yeah, well, well, essentially, again, uh, this, this is just a problem, really... A- uh, yeah, another problem of you know one country two systems because because uh, we are using a different treatment or different way of handling uh, this COVID nineteen. Uh, our health policies are different from are very different uh, from the mainland. 
and and therefore uh, what the way that we are doing it is not was not yet acceptable, not compatible with theirs. So, well, put put it that way. So, uh, uh, we are the one who really wants to go in. We are more desperate than they are mm. in the mainland, for example. Mm. So, therefore, uh, if you are more, uh, it's just like wrestling. I mean, if you are more, if you are more desperate, perhaps you have to adjust yourself or compromise yourself uh, in order to do this thing. Mm. But on the other hand, over in the mainland, uh, you know, you know, uh, you know, uh, we are, we are, we are, we are very safe. We are very happy with the system now. Uh, uh, if you're asking me to adjust my system uh, to accommodate you, then I will I will think twice. Okay. I think that's the current situation now. Okay. 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 Well, thank you very much for joining us on the program this morning. Uh, that was uh, Wang Kam Fai, director of the Center for Innovation and Technology at the Chinese University and uh, professor at the Department of Systems and Engineering and engineering management at the Chinese U. Um, um, and for the last 10 minutes of the programme this morning, we're going to turn our attention to our shorter topic, and that is uh, a focus on the area of uh, Sai Wan Ho on Hong Kong Island, because the Urban Renewal Authority is going to uh, launch a scheme, a pilot scheme, where they'll they'll survey uh, landlords about uh, redevelopment uh, of a particular area containing about two, 250 uh, older buildings. Um, we have with us now on the line uh, Raymond Chan, who's past president of the Hong Kong Institute of Surveyors and a member of the Housing Authority. Uh, good morning to you. Uh, good morning. Um, thanks very much for joining us. Um, so, um, uh, Sai Wan Ho, is there a lot of uh, potential there for uh, renewing the older areas? Uh, in fact, uh, the buildings there are quite old, but uh, I think the potential uh, is comparatively small. Uh, I think that is why the URA is going to, to step in. Uh, usually we mainly uh, depends on the private developers to uh, collect all the ownership and we develop the old buildings. But it seems that uh, the Sai Wan Ho area, uh, the buildings there are quite old, but uh, they are not small. They are not uh, the three-story, four-story buildings. They, they are mostly 10 or even 12 stories, which uh, uh, has a lot of uh, individual owners and uh, uh, development potential for that uh, compared with the existing. It's, it's not uh, getting a, a big benefit. So it is really a difficult, difficult area, I think. So what's different about this scheme from the way that, uh, you know, the usual approach to uh, considering development of older areas? Uh, I think uh, the ULA is now uh, offering two options. One is that uh, you come to the ULA collectively for asking for them to help you in the redevelopment or uh, the second choice is that you want to uh, maintain your building or improve your building uh, so that it can be uh, it can stand longer and stay in a better condition uh, remind you that uh, the Taiwan core area is uh, a uh, on, on the transfer wise it is a very convenient location it is uh, on the MTR line yeah, yeah. and uh, but uh, the buildings, uh, especially those along the South uh, Wan Road, uh, they are usually uh, quite divided in 
to small small pots, and uh, so it is difficult for private developers. Uh, for the easy ones, I think the Thai developers have already done it. Uh, but what are remaining are those are uh, difficult for private developers to step in uh, because the, the profit margin is not good, and uh, the ULA uh, they can be a facilitator if uh, the owners can uh, come together collectively to ask them to help uh, because the ULA can uh, uh, explore possibility of uh, combining uh, uh, separate sites together uh, also maybe including some uh, government land that uh, has been allocated for other uses and uh, combine them together to get a, a better development and that can be uh, financially more viable, and uh, I think that is why the Yahweh is uh, stepping in uh, in here. Yeah. So, uh, Raymond Chen, uh, there are different kinds of buildings in this area, including private housing. And um, I, I sort of know this area because it's just behind the uh, Sai Wan Ho uh, Civic Center that I go to, you know, for various performances. Um, you know, there are civil servants, cooperative building society scheme. Uh, they are like three to four stories high and is actually in a very quaint uh, sort of neighborhood. And um is will this add to the complexity and difficulty in um, getting the land together? Uh, exactly. That is uh, talking about the, the, the government housing scheme. Uh, the government allowed redevelopment of those, but uh, the uh, condition for putting forward that kind of redevelopment uh, are quite uh, restrictive, I would say, because uh, the uh, value of land and the building they calculate uh, compared to uh, the premium that's going the government is going to take uh, the the premium will be uh, much outside that of the existing value and uh, that really is quite restrictive on on those uh, uh, housing scheme lots. Because it is quite an attractive area in, in many ways. Like you say, it's very convenient. It's, uh, it's on the MTR. It's only a few minutes' walk from the waterfront, isn't it? So uh, uh, so any uh, redevelopment of that area is going to be uh, pretty popular, but, you know. Yeah, especially uh, that is uh, so convenient uh, uh, location and uh, the buildings are getting old. And I can imagine that maybe in uh, 10 years' time, uh, subdivided fest in there will be more and more popular because it is convenient uh, so that people can get to work uh, easily. And uh, the uh, old buildings, they are not uh, attractive on the rental uh, income if they are let as one unit. So maybe subdividing them into smaller units will give a much better return, I think. Uh, as Hong Kong is uh, a, a very uh, economically uh, free area, and uh, as long as they do not uh, contravene our, our law, uh, and uh, they will go for the most uh, profitable uh, usage, I would say. So uh, the URA has taken the first step, uh, which is to uh, send a demand survey to property owners in that area. 
I guess uh, uh, a lot of people will say no or will refuse a redevelopment at the moment. But uh, let's say that if things are smooth, um, do you think this will become like a public housing area or basically private housing? I think uh, it will be more like a public housing uh, area uh, because uh, they are very small uh, small locks. And uh, for public housing, that is not quite suitable. Uh, usually for public housing, you need a, a bigger piece of land to make it uh, uh, manageable by, by the housing authority. Uh, we now campaign that uh, uh, as a housing authority, we campaign that uh, the government is giving us land uh, that is too small and uh, too oscillated and we really uh, difficult for us to put in uh, our standard units in, in, in there. Another email here from listener James says uh, uh, the Urban Renewal Authority says it will listen to residents' opinions on the Saiwan Ho development. Uh, We can't take this promise seriously when the URA fails to take residents' opinions into account for even a small project such as the URA redevelopment on Staunton Street. Uh, There, pedestrian safety is neglected and scaffolding and skips are unsafe. Complaints to URA on this have reached a brick wall. Um, is that fair? I mean, um, is, is the how responsive do you think is the URA to uh, to public opinions and representations? No, uh, we must uh, uh, accept the idea that uh, politics is a, an art of compromise. We need to compromise. Uh, maybe. Ten different people may have uh, ten or even eleven different opinions that we need to compromise. Uh, if we want to go forward, uh, we just need to compromise, I would say. Okay, okay. All right, well, thank you very much for joining us uh, on the programme this morning. That was uh, Raymond Chan, a past president of the Hong Kong Institute of Surveyors and uh, a member of the Housing Authority. And uh, thank you to you, Ada. Thank you, Jim. Thanks to our producer, Yuki Jung, and to uh, all of our guests this morning and to our listeners. And just before we go to the news summary and to Morning Brew, a quick look at the weather. Uh, fine and dry today, top temperature around 29 degrees, moderate east to northeasterly winds, the outlook, sunny intervals tomorrow. There will be showers on Thursday with temperatures falling significantly later. Temperatures will fall below 20 degrees in the morning on Friday and Saturday. It's currently 25 degrees, humidity 75%. The Chief Executive has announced the 2021 Policy Address. With the national security law and improved electoral system, Hong Kong is back on the right track of one country, two systems. We will continue to leverage our unique advantages to boost the economy. The artificial islands in the central waters and the northern metropolis development strategy will fundamentally resolve the land and housing problem. Building a bright future together, the 2021 Policy Address. The new summary with Vicky Wong. Chief Executive Carrie Lam has been discharged from hospital after she stayed overnight following a fall at Government House. She was admitted the previous night after fracturing her elbow. Roundtable lawmaker Michael Teen has said Hong Kong's Leave Home Safe app could feature real-name authentication for it to meet the mainland's conditions for quarantine-free travel. And U.S. President Joe Biden has led tributes to Colin Powell, America's first black secretary of state, who's died of COVID complications. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock.
Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the University of Set and Costume Designer, great interpreter of Beethoven. As well. Oh, so shy, quiet, and retiring doggy counts, co founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is a really for adults, it's not really for kids. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Hello. The side of what's happening behind the myth. Good morning. In depth interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Well, here we are again. Good morning to you. Welcome to Tuesday's Morning Brew with me, Phil Whelan. We're going to begin at 10.10 today with some collaborative music, art and dance as we find out about the British Council's second Spark Festival. Begins tomorrow. This year it will be held online after a cracking opener two years ago. Taigun. Jeff Streeter is the director of the British Council. He's going to tell us all about it. 10.40, mate. It's Jared Watt. He's going to be with us for more Aussie news and music. After 11, Dr. Merrin Pierce will be joined by Kat Roma Greer, who is an urban disruptor and the artistic director of Micro Galleries. She's going to share the benefits of communicating climate change issues through art. Sounds good to me. Then after 12, we are off to Melbourne for this week's chat with biz futurist Morris Misalowski. Apparently, our universe was created in a lab. Yep, well, one Harvard bright spark thinks so anyway. Join Morris for this and other cool origin theories right here on today's programme. 